plan to speak to you tonight to report on the State of the Union. The events of earlier today have led me to change those plans. Today is a day for mourning and remembering. Nancy and I are pain to the core of the tragedy of the shuttle challenge. We know we share this pain with all the people of our country. This is truly a national loss. Back in 1992, my kitchen table became a modern-day, grunge-tinged salon of the misbegotten. My parents welcomed all manner of grubby teenagers into the house and fostered just the right balance of supervision and freedom. Debates around the kitchen table or the dining room table when that of the kitchen proved too small were near constant. Many of our friends became so comfortable in our house that it was not surprising to come home to one or another entirely alone in the house, cooking up an afternoon snack of microwaved eggs or heating up donuts from Schultz's cider mill. The spirit of debate carried us all into an adulthood that is not always as tolerant as the heady days of the kitchen table. So first my brother and his closest friends, and later I joined, decided to look to email to continue the debate. 50,000 emails later, we decided to take the conversation to the airwaves. This podcast is the result. It's, it's, I, was, I was actually at the Johnson Space Center this past year, which was amazing. Um, and you see the room where the, you know, where the moon landing was, you know, you, know, you see Houston, it's Houston. It's, oh yeah, the, the, the headquarters, the, the right. big room where all the nerds are. Which they've preserved, including like the cigarette butts and the like stale bits of food that people ate and the, the weird stink of men full of terror. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> we watched uh, we watched Apollo thirteen a couple months ago, and Julian said uh, he wants to um, he wants to work in you know be he not be an astronaut, but he wants to work in the space industry. But he doesn't want to be an astronaut. He wants to be one of those guys in you know in Houston in the at the computer like. There, it is so. Fr- I I was you you can see there the actual command rooms. I mean that one's preserved, but they have live command rooms. There's one that's yeah. always interfaced. With the inter with the space ISS, yeah. station, yeah. And there's another that's preparing for the moon landing, which they're like, "This we're next. We're, is the next thing we're up." So, like you, all the stations are labeled. You can see how the st- how the whole thing has evolved through time, and they're just training constantly on like things going wrong. Like they wake up in the morning and go to bed at night, and there's training on things going wrong and how the different stations are going to work together. And it's so we like. You've seen it in movies. I, I found it extremely affecting to see this physical place where these people are doing this and the way it's set up. It was like such a higher level of human endeavor. Uh, yep. Well, when um, SpaceX signed the contract with NASA, they had to, <laughs> I don't know how they calculated this, but they had a guarantee that the odds of a um, failure on a manned rocket would be less than one in 200, um, would be greater than one in 270. Which, you know, which, which, which isn't that great. I mean, I'm like, you know, one in 270 chances. But if you think about, like, um, you know, the odds, I mean, how many space shuttles did we lose? Two. 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 Out, of, out of how many missions? 
Yeah. Now, is that one in 270 like NASA's current ratio? <laughs> That, that, that was that was the uh, that was the agreement that they basically yeah. had to say that it was not going to be <laughs> that there are lots of failure. Looks like it was about 130 missions, something like that. Okay, so two out of 130 is what they've lost. Right. So I guess they're trying to double their. <laughs> I mean, they blew up their... a lot of rockets, though. Like, and they like what's his name? Yeah. almost? <clears throat> they blew one up yesterday on the one that they're testing for the moon. One of the dudes almost died like five or six times. The guy who flew all the all the uh, the X flights. Well, you know what's interesting is that so like uh, I have 135 missions plus yeah. like five tests. What's his name? Sam Shepard played him in the, in the right stuff. Uh, Did any of you read the right stuff? No, I heard it's great so, though. So I read it, and actually I read this book. Um, and basically, <laughs> basically, you know, like they would get the best possible people, but they did nothing. Like they would basically they had like anal prods and stuff, and they were basically like you know just to sit up there and look pretty when they were launched into space. They really had very little responsibility. Wait, so they would anally prod them? Yes, they were anally prodded while <laughs> being shot into space. I think that, is, the, is, the, is it prodded or prod? Were they anally prod? Were they isn't, anally it, prod? Isn't, it, isn't it probed? No, no, no. The prodding what is are, different from probing. Right, prodding, prodding is just prod poking. Is kind of like a, Prodding is continual. Proving is more. Gosh, I really hope you're getting all this on a recording. <laughs> oh, it's, I'm recording. We're, oh, you recording? We're full on recording. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, you know, we're not. We can't. I don't think NASA had any failures as great as that Russian, uh, that Russian failure. You know what I'm talking about? When they oh. deliberately sent a dog to space to die. No, when they deliberately sent a man to space to die, and he they knew did. it. And everyone knew it. Wow. And he did it anyway. He got in that rocket and he went up in it knowing he was going to die and that it was going to blow up. That is not possible. Yes, it is because we have audio of him screaming in Russian as the, as the, the uh, shuttle is, is starting to burn. And he's saying, I knew it, you motherfuckers. Like, I, I, I thought he lived. I thought he lived. No, he this guy burned up in the thing, didn't he? You're really? thinking of Yuri Gagarin lived. Yeah, that's no, not Gagarin. Space. No, this was somebody else. Who is this uh, before Gagarin? Um, no, I think it's after. It was uh, there was this rush to get a rocket out, and uh, and he knew because he was smart and knew everything about the rocket that he was going to go up in that it was going to explode. I've I've listened to the audio before. Let me see if I can find it. <laughs> I don't feel like any dad. That's my life. I mean, uh, it's uh, certainly the audio will not help me understand what's happening. How's the film for? Well, are, you, are you trying to say you don't you don't speak Russian? <laughs> well, I do, but not when they're screaming. That just makes it harder. Yeah, it puts an it puts a nasty tone on the whole uh, Russian joke about they pretend to I pretend to work and they pretend to pay me. When at the end of it, you have to get up in a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's had the same ethic. <laughs> Somebody's still got to get on this thing. How have the Russians been able to like? I, like, what is this bargain basement rockets? So or what have they been launching over the past ten years? That I don't know. They're not. They're good rockets. They're very good rockets. Yeah, they're exceptional. They're so the how only come, ones How come like we got so far behind? We stopped, we stopped because we stopped and we gave it. To the, <laughs> we gave it to the private sector. Well, we yeah. gave it. To, we gave it to the private sector like fifteen years ago. Right, exactly. The the nice thing, the private sector, the Falcon is a million times better than the soy than, than anything the Russians have done because it's reusable, because right. it brings the cost back down. It, it's like takes the cost down by at least an order of magnitude. 
So that's the advantage there. But yeah. did you guys watch it land? Is that how this yeah, I did. Started? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're actually reusing the Saturn rocket that we used to take Apollo, the Apollo missions up is such a good rocket that when they were looking at what we're going to use to go to Mars, they ended up deciding that better than inventing anything new or any new technology since then, they're just going to repurpose the Saturn. So the people who are the rocket scientists back then, although they don't call themselves rocket scientists, right? They're aeronautical engineers. Um, we're, uh, we're just dead on. That's all. Sorry, Lucas, go on. No, no, it's fine. Uh, so this guy's name was Vladimir Komarov. Great. <laughs> In 1967, he was, he and Yuri Gagarin were scheduled, uh, were, were like the two top cosmonauts. And they were, uh, one of them was supposed to go up in this earth orbiting uh, flight. And they both knew that it was going to be a total failure, that it was going to explode that it, they knew whoever went up was going to die and komarov went up because he didn't want gagarin to die right and then did they both know i don't understand because they knew the rocket was shit they knew how it was constructed like if you you know i've watched like you know apollo 13 like those guys would know if there was I something guess. wrong with the rocket really big picture like shoddy construction rushed out the door you know we got to get this thing in space to beat the americans kind of thing yeah. This was worse than an O-ring. This was just general, not well. Yeah, this was all around. He knew, and everybody who had any any you know reason in them and could could see how this thing was constructed. And knew. yet, and yet, then Yuri Gagarin went up like successfully and beat us to space. I mean, they were well, and, that, and but that was a lot earlier. This was like in this mad rush in the late sixties. You know, the late oh, this 60s. is in the late sixty-seven. They were going to send Yuri again, risk his life, like the national hero? This was 67, yeah. Well, and if Komarov had said no, Yuri Gagarin would have been tapped to go. So that's why he didn't say, that's why he went up. And you can hear him in the audio of, of him dying, him, you know, like just crying and screaming. I don't need to hear that. But that's how you. awful it is. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I would definitely I, recommend it. I hugely, hugely recommend if you're ever anywhere near Houston or it's worth making the trip. Like actually going to the Johnson Space Center, I think. I, 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 I appreciate that. I kind of hope that Houston, um, like I never have to be near Houston ever. It's fine. I've been, to, I've, been, I've been to Houston many times. It has one of the better barbecue restaurants I've ever been to. <laughs> and a good fajita restaurant. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> I'm good. I think I'll try to avoid Houston. If I'm in the area, though, I... No, like, you, sh you should go... You should make a, a pilgrimage to the space station. That's... I mean, to the space center. I don't know. It's it's really cool. I don't know. Yeah, I saw some of it. Actually, it looked pretty cool when I saw it. Did you guys see the Flat Earther documentary on Netflix? It was pretty funny. Oh, no. Oh, no, that sounds awesome. Oh, it was amazing. It, it really was. It, it's worth it. It's worth the hour. I watched it with my kids and we had like a whole like day's worth of talking about what science is and isn't and <laughs> what scientists do and scientific thinking as a result of it. It was really fun. Um, but the documentary, the, the flat earthers go there and mock it and they have no idea that they're very much the butt of the joke. Like <laughs> the documentarians are very polite, but they're walking through the Houston 
center and it is really cool looking um, when they're in there and and they're like joking about it like yeah right we landed on the moon <laughs> you know because they don't believe that either of course not it does seem really implausible when you're looking at what we did yes. it with yes the the, the tech not the technology <laughs> apparently but the rocket that they launched today it has like three or four um ways where they can basically bail out and there's like fail safes so they proceeded they proceeded through the fail safe so i guess we're we didn't want to watch you know because i mean they had the camera in the in the cockpit with them so if shit had gone bad we would have watched those guys get engulfed and playing live yeah yeah like like 60 that was 60 i think that was also 67 right go with the the yeah. us one yep well the guys died in 67 yeah there was a whole crew that died because uh, the oxygen there was an oxygen malfunction yeah, it's before the Apollo mission. I love uh, how you people are so deep in the history details of it that you're like focusing on this weird bit of chronology. Well, it's an important like whole massive extraordinary <laughs> thing that we're talking about. But well, okay. The, the reason why I'm thinking about it, I, and you're right, Josh, <laughs> definitely. But the reason why I just, or the thought I had about it that I think is a little more relevant is that, um, you know, those guys died. That was national news. Everybody knew it. And the space program didn't come to a screeching halt. Right. It just kept going. Whereas when the Challenger blew up in 84, that was the beginning. You know, I don't know if you guys watched that on TV live, like I did. Yep, yep, but I did. It was, um, it was the beginning of the end of NASA as a like a major publicly funded technology leading organization and um you know its funding i believe starts to get cut from that point out and people's like well, sense yep. of wonder about space is also kind of run its course well, they were already they're already <clears throat> petering out with their interest in space which is why they even did the whole i mean the challenger mission was basically a pr stunt right with with christian mccullough yeah the right? teacher yeah yeah, so they were already doing everything they could to to bring up Americans flagging interests, and then oh, people also die, including the one you were paying attention to. You know, it hurts. But that's what the the guy who came up with the X Prize—I forget his name. When you were this, is what I was thinking about it because you mentioned the one in two seventy. This is the guy who said basically, "I'm going to put up ten million dollars to whoever gets us back into, you know, near Earth, you know, into low Earth orbit within the next however many years." And the problem was he had a hard time raising the $10 million. So he, he didn't have it all himself. Wait a minute. He couldn't raise, raise $10 million. I mean, that fucker who tried to build a wall for Trump raised like 28 million. Yeah. Well, this was like, this was like 20 years ago though. But, uh, <laughs> okay. yeah. Before uh, GoFundMe. Yeah. It was before GoFundMe. That's right. <laughs> By the way, Micah, that was Apollo one. Three guys died in an oxygen related. Okay. I mean, I wonder what would have happened if the guy said, you know, I mean, I think that's why they had all these different abort. Cause I think if, the rocket had blown up, but the astronauts had lived. I think it wouldn't have set back the program as much as it would have if they died. So was it an actual rocket in Apollo 1 that blew up? Um, again, this is my new show. No, Apollo 1 was a, an oxygen leak into the cockpit, and then it ignited Ooh. or something. Ooh. Yeah. Because yeah. they weren't using that. compressed air yet. They were using oxygen instead of compressed air. And then they were also using electric switches <laughs> which occasionally <laughs> caused sparks, which right. is, I think, how it happened. I think Challenger was the big one that that damaged. 
yeah. the, the space program. Yeah. And that was at the perfect p- moment when Republicans were, were cutting taxes and cutting programs. Yeah. It was, it was, I think it was Colum- was it Columbia, the second one that blew up? Um, yeah. That, that really put everything to a. On, on reentry. Did you, do you recall uh, Reagan's speech after? I've read about it. I mean, I don't remember it. No, I was, I was, I was 10, so I didn't, I don't remember shit. It was, it's very affecting. Um, It's short and very affecting. I recommend you look it up later. Well, he was a hell of a speaker. And that was like pretty heavy senility for him a year before he was done. So uh, good for him. Did you ever, somebody pointed this out to me recently. Do you ever encounter the speech that Richard Nixon was going to give? if the Apollo astronauts ended up stuck on the moon? Because that was a... No. <laughs> it's, an am- it's an amazing speech. So they, but you mean this- if they ended up stuck in the, uh, in the recording studio in, in Hollywood? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but very real. I mean, they were amazed enough that they got the thing landed, and there was a very real possibility that they were... Right, going to get it back yeah, out. sure, sure. Really <laughs> so amazing. and that was kind of seen as the worst possible scenario because <laughs> they could survive for a while up there, but there would be no way back. Yeah, so and, everybody and, would it, know and it wouldn't end were, well. I mean, they would survive for a while. And, everyone, everyone would know in real time that they were doomed, but they wouldn't be dead yet. Um, Especially Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Has on. anybody seen the movie about him being the? Fake moon landing director. Yes, I, did. Whole movie I, I did. I did. I did see that movie. You what? See, you didn't read the Nader book, but you watched that fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to read a book by Nader. <laughs> Me neither. Fucker. All right, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm just gonna read you Nixon's very short speech that he never got to give. Okay. Then we should probably talk about our topic. If this makes not. me like Nixon any more than zero percent, then I will be. I'll be frustrated with you. He didn't write it. In the event of moon disaster, it was it was actually it was drafted by Bill Sapphire. Um, Fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. These brave men, Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin, know that there is no hope for their recovery, but they also know that there is hope for mankind in their sacrifice. These two men are laying down their lives in mankind's most noble goal the search for truth and understanding. They'll be mourned by their families and friends. They'll be mourned by their nation. They'll be mourned by the people of the world. They will be mourned by a mother earth that dared send two of her sons into the unknown. In their exploration, they stirred the people of the world to feel as one. In their sacrifice, they bind more tightly the brotherhood of man. In ancient days, men looked at stars and saw their heroes in the constellations. In modern times, we do much the same, but our heroes are epic men of flesh and blood. Others will follow and surely find their way home. Man's search will not be denied, but these men were the first and they will remain the foremost in our hearts. For every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know there is some corner of another world that is forever mankind. All right, I'm not giving any credit to Nixon. Solid sapphire yeah, writing there, that's though. Good. Sapphire. <laughs> that's beautiful. I'm a little disappointed you didn't do it in a Nixon voice. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a little morbid to imagine some corpses just sort of hanging out on the moon for, for eternity, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of corpses just hanging out on the Earth. That's true. 
They're but clearly we, being degraded in some sense. If yes, yes, yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. They're not, they're not just sort of sitting there. Well, that's what it's like on Everest, right? Like, yeah, um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. You go hiking on Everest, you're going to find the perfectly preserved bodies of people who died yep. doing what you're doing. Yep, right. <laughs> it's not worth anybody's bother to remove them. I'm going to play. I'm going to play Reagan's challenger speech. speak to you tonight to report on the state of the union the events of earlier today have led me to change those plans today is a day for mourning and remembering nancy and i are pain to the core of the tragedy of the shuttle challenge we know we share this pain with all of the people of our country this is truly a national loss 19 years ago almost to the day we lost three astronauts in a terrible accident on the ground but we've never lost an astronaut in flight. We've never had a tragedy like this. And perhaps we've forgotten the courage it took for the crew of the shuttle. But they, the Challenger 7, were aware of the dangers, overcame them, and did their jobs brilliantly. We mourn seven heroes, Michael Smith, Dick Scobie, Judith Resnick, Ronald McNair. Yes, yes. Is that, families of is that a big search, Josh? Is this on YouTube thing? Of course. Thinking <laughs> no. about you so very much. Your loved ones were daring and brave. And they had that special grace, that special spirit that says, give me a challenge and I'll meet it with joy. They had a hunger to explore the universe and discover its truths. They wished to serve and they did. They served all of us. We've grown used to wonders in this century. It's hard to dazzle us. But for 25 years, the United States space program has been doing just that. We've grown used to the idea of space and perhaps we forget that we've only just begun. We're still pioneers. They, the members of the Challenger crew, were pioneers. And I want to say something to the school children of America who were watching the live coverage of the shuttle's takeoff. I know it's hard to understand, but it's painful things like this happen. It's all part of the process of exploration and discovery. It's all part of taking a chance and expanding man's horizons. The future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave. The Challenger crew was pulling us into the future, and we'll continue to follow them. I've always had great faith in oh. respect. <laughs> that was the main thing. No, I, I like it. I like it. It's sad. Yeah. And inappropriate. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I only saw it by accident. Uh, Lucas and I went to a private school that didn't do TV. It was a Waldorf education, ah. and uh, you know the kind of education that is very popular in Silicon Valley amongst <laughs> children of CEOs right now. <laughs> yep. And I think we were at a half day that day or something because that's the only reason I was sneaking TV because we had like a, a cleaning lady would watch us in the afternoons on Fridays, and. I don't know. I don't really have a memory of my feeling except being like, like, I don't even remember being sad. I just remember being like, wow, this thing happened. Yeah. Do you, I don't know. Do you guys ever, I was like, again, Lucas said it, I was 10 or 11. You yeah. know, it's like, we've been prepared for it for weeks, if not months. So, I mean, I just remember them wheeling the TV set and in, I, into our classroom. I have very faint memories of watching it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They, I know they did that in like public schools all over the country. Yep. 
our school didn't front load it at all. Like, I, I don't even know if I knew it was happening, but it was happening. We didn't see it live, but, you know, we were, exp but we had a curriculum around it for months. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Cool. Also, you should remember I was in a Jewish day school. And so there was a whole, like, there were some tensions between the Jews and the Russians at the time. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so it was like it entered it entered things a lot. I was twinned. Were you twinned, Josh? When you were sure. for your for my, bar mitzvah? Bar mitzvah? Yep. Yeah. Is that what they called it? Yep. It was, it was, it was what you you got bar mitzvah um and when you got bar mitzvah, you got bar mitzvah on behalf of a Russian uh person of the same age who wasn't able to um, supposedly go to a bar mitzvah and you were pen pals with them. Oh, neat. Yeah. They didn't allow bar mitzvahs in Soviet They Russia? weren't allowed to be religious. And no, it was communism. Religion was illegal. The, the Russian church still existed. I mean, they 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 suppressed it, but they didn't completely obliterate it. Yeah, they, 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 weren't, they didn't make so many concessions for the Jews. It wasn't necessary. <laughs> Wasn't there a huge influx of Jews to Israel after yeah. that point or something? Yes. Or recent, yeah. I forget when. They were called refuseniks, which was a little bit of PR. It was the, you know the Jews who wanted to, who supposedly wanted to leave Russia, but couldn't. Yeah. Uh -huh. I think it really accelerated in the nineties, though. Yeah. Yeah. When the after the wall fell. Yeah. After the after. After <laughs> Russia. <laughs> well. Yeah, it's not. So that about wrapped up our conversation on the space program. We didn't really intend to talk about it, but then it happened. So I left it here as our second episode. Hope you enjoyed. And uh, stay tuned for our third episode in which we actually get to our topic at hand, which involves things like suicide pills, uh, vaccines, stay-at-home orders, guns, etc. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Buzzsprout for hosting the podcast. Our intro and outro song is by The Company Picnic. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks.